1: It's 1 o'clock here on the East and 10 o'clock on the West, wherever you're watching or listening to us here on SportsGrid, on Fantasy Sports. Today, we are your channel, 24 hours a day for wagering advice, fantasy advice, and a little bit of pop culture advice as well. In fact, coming up a little bit later in fantasy or reality, we're going to dive into that. But, you know, Joe, it's interesting that we talked about this last week on the show. It is now official, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is actually getting its own reunion show, and it's going to be on HBO Mm. and unscripted. So instead of a new show with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, they're actually bringing back the old cast to do a reunion show. So I'm looking forward to that. Now the
2: question is, which Ant-Viv will it be? Will it be original Ant-Viv or Mm, both Ant-Viv? That would be the whole weird thing. I know there was a falling out there with the OG Ant-Viv. I don't know. I also see that everybody now is starting to finally watch Cobra Kai, uh welcome everybody i know a lot of people didn't go get the youtube red just to watch it now it's on netflix and everyone's like oh cobra kai is so good no kidding where you been for two years cobra kai that's uh, amazing oh yeah amazing guilty pleasure television and johnny is the good guy and it is amazing it's so much fun you feel a little dirty for watching it but at the same time it's a great watch man that's so good so much is it fun. two seasons or just one two seasons and the third season's coming out, but they're short. They're like 22 minute episodes. So you can like just in an hour, you can end up watching three of them and just kind
1: of, I'm going to put that on my, my, my high up list to watch as soon as as soon as I can. Uh, But let's start off with today, because if you thought that you didn't have enough sports on your schedule, think again, you got another one. The U S open is back and Serena Williams and Andy Murray will go at it today. Not against each other, of course, but they will be both on the court. (laughs) And uh, it is great to have the U.S. Open. We're going to have the Kentucky Derby <laughs> coming up soon. we got the Masters, too. It's like everything that was postponed <laughs> is coming back. My head is spinning from all of this. But nothing bigger than tonight. As uh, Game 7 between Utah and Denver, it is must-watch television for sure. As, uh, as Murray and Mitchell will go head-to-head, these guys are basically putting up 50 points every game or 40 at the very least, every game against each other. It's almost as if in the fourth quarter, there are no other players on the court and it's just one-on-one basketball. And it is absolutely fun to see. There's going to be one team, honestly, that's going to be very, I I look at it as a positive because we're going to get to see one of these teams but whoever loses this one is not a loser. I mean, these two teams have played great, and they deserve a lot of credit for getting to this point. Uh, the NFL is taking the lead on the investigation into Washington's culture. This is kind of what leads me to believe that the Washington football team is just headed for very muddy waters this season and a cleansing. And then 2021, you could start looking to them uh, again. They bring, they, I think they brought in Ron Rivera for that particular reason for the long term, but it's just a mess there. And I just don't want a, a big part of that team in fantasy or reality or anything else this year. Andy Reid got a six-year contract extension, good for him. And when he's all said and done, he'll be headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a coach. Can't really say that about a ton of coaches that are out there. Maybe, uh, of course, Bill Belichick, maybe uh, maybe Pete Carroll, I'm not, I'm not sure. But either way, uh, Andy Reid is headed to that, that's for sure. And there are two elimination games in the NHL tonight. The Islanders uh, take on Philadelphia. They're up 3-1 to one in that series. And the Golden Knights lead the Canucks three to one as well. Uh, Canucks a little bit of a surprise that they're coming up short in this series. They played very well last series, but it's the Vegas Golden Knights to lose at this point. And of course, uh, Joe, we're still monitoring all the news and notes uh, in the NFL with all of the players who are in and who are out. And we're less than one week away from most people having their fantasy drafts in the books.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We are in draft season right now, and we're going to get you prepared in this hour. Uh, Also, I just want to give a shout-out for Andy Reid, too. That is so great to extend his contract like that. I mean, to me, Andy Reid has been a Hall of Fame caliber football coach. He just didn't have that last jewel, that championship, and he got it last year. And I was a college student in Philadelphia when he first got that job, and I had to watch. This was you know, before he had a lot more opportunity to watch all the different games before Red Zone Channel was really a thing and anything else. And I'd be stuck watching a lot of the Ray Rhodes coached Eagles games, and it was rough. And then I remember when he showed up, Things got a lot more fun. They had a fun quarterback with McNabb. And it's just great to see Andy Reid kind of get to this point in his career where he is in that grouping when you talk about great coaches. Because I always felt like he deserved it. And it was just tough to see him go to that national champion, that NFC championship game every year and lose (laughs) all those years. So good on Andy Reid. That's congratulations to him, man. It's like the feel-good story of the week for me is that one. I'm very happy about this.
1: All right. Okay. Well, listen, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think he deserves to be in there. And I think that winning the Super Bowl definitely put him over the top as we welcome in our radio audience. Now, I feel like in terms of knowledge for both baseball and football, those are my predominant sports. But there are always going to be players, Joe, in fantasy baseball and fantasy football, where I'm completely transparent on and I'll say, I never heard of this guy. And I ain't going to fake it. I'm just going to tell you straight up, I've never heard of him. But I got to tell you, it is a scary proposition, Joe, to read this morning, John Shipley, who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars on Twitter, to tell me that not only is Rykel Armstrong uh, having a chance to play, but because he was not there and and he is absent and we really don't know uh, why he's been out for three weeks, but we're assuming it's COVID-related, that divine... Ozigbo could mm-hmm. be the starting running back for the Jaguars. I watch a lot of college football. I watch every NFL game. This is the first time that I can tell you that I've heard the name Divine Ozigbo, <laughs> and my draft is in five days. That that uh, either I am listen. not doing a good job, or <laughs> this guy is coming out of absolute nowhere. One of the well, two, and, and I'm willing to say that I'm not doing a good job preparing, and I've been involved in <laughs> baseball, and maybe that's the reason why. But I've never
2: You've heard of busy. this player. Never. Uh, I, I have heard of him. It's 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 my job in doing the Black Book to know the depth charts of these people. But, yes, you're not wrong. He is a new name to a lot of people. And don't search for Rykel Armstrong. Search for Rykel Armstead. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to find him on your waiver wire. Guys. Okay,
1: good. I even got that wrong, too. Good. <laughs> I've heard of Chris Thompson, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away And welcome back fantasy sports today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. And I know a lot of you have fantasy drafts that are coming up very soon. And um, there's an exercise that we're going to do here on the show over the next few days. And it really stems from, I I think, people asking me for advice, honestly. And I know that Joe gets asked for a lot more than I do. But uh, in, in the landscape that I'm at with Major League Baseball and a lot of the guys who don't have time to really pay attention to this, sometimes I get leaned on for this sort of stuff. And even with friends who are in fantasy drafts, they ask the same sort of questions. And my, and my answer, you know, is always, okay, like, you know, let me know when the draft is. Let me know what your spot is. And we could just kind of walk through it. And so I think that this is going to be helpful, Joe, for people, because it's very easy to make the first overall pick in the draft. It's very easy to make the sixth overall pick. And that's all everybody talks about. Who'd you get? Oh, I got, oh, wow, you did great. You did great. And in the end, you didn't, because the rest of your team may not be set. And so on today's show, what we're going to do is help those of you who have the first pick in your fantasy draft tomorrow. If you have the second pick, tune back in tomorrow. If you have the third, tune back in on the Thursday because we're going to do the third pick. And so we're basically going to show you a one-man draft, how it looks to have the first pick, and who you should end up with in the mind of Joe Pisapia here uh, <laughs> for on draft day. And you know, certainly, I want to weigh in on this too and give you some of my opinions as well. But, Joe, tell us how you constructed this and how you put this together. And basically, everyone knows first pick in the draft is going to be Christian McCaffrey, but how the other picks were derived.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. And what you want to do in every draft is be two things. You want to be prepared and flexible. If you are prepared and flexible, then you stand a good chance. Don't go into a draft thinking, oh, in round two, I'm going to get this. Uh, position or I'm going to get that. That is crazy. It's stupid. It doesn't help anybody. What you want to do in the first couple rounds is build core roster strength. And McCaffrey is very easy to do that. That's why this this draft grayed out so highly is because when you start with Christian McCaffrey, it doesn't get much better than that, obviously. So he's already going to be top of the board, whatever. That's fine. That's a given. It's after that that it matters. Now, what's interesting about this one, right before it came back to me, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson went back to back. And then it came back to me and Aaron Jones somehow fell. Now, the temptation to take the quarterback in a single quarterback league is huge because the RPV, the relative position value of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, those are two guys that are plus 20%. That means they're 20% better on average than the average fantasy league QB1. That's a huge advantage. However, at the same point in time, you only have to roster one of them. And there's plenty of other really good quarterbacks you can take. And that is a big temptation. Now, I will say this. If you're in a very casual league, you can get away with it if you really do know the depth of the knowledge of pool in terms of running back. If you know where to take some shots later on and certain rookies, if you're that kind of player, then you can go ahead and take one of those quarterbacks. If it makes it to you in that wraparound at the turn at two, three, if you're not, if you're in a super competitive league, I would steer away from this. And I would look to double up on running back early and often. If you can, even in full point PPR, which is this, Draft right here that we're looking at. So I went with Aaron Jones as the second pick. And all of a sudden, what's funny about this is this is actually the number one and number two PPR running backs from last year in terms of finish. Now, what was the variance between them in relative position value? Christian McCaffrey was a plus 62%. He was 62% better in 10 years of the Black Book. I've never seen a number that high. That's how much better Christian McCaffrey was than everybody else at RB1. The second was Aaron Jones, who was just a plus nine. It went from 62 to nine. But the thing is, you're getting obviously the number one productivity at running back one with Christian McCaffrey. And then you're getting another RB one, which is going to boost you above other teams at RB two. So right off the bat, now we're more productive in two spots. Then you grab a wide receiver one in Kenny Galladay, who's right there in the fantasy league average of of wide receiver ones. Obviously the clear number one, no problems there. Then I feel really good about running back, but I wanted to feel even better about running back. So I will take a little risk here with James Conner. He's absolutely risk. But he's far less risk as my RB3, far less risk as my flex running back that I could always back up later on. Because if this guy performs like he did two years ago and actually stays healthy enough for even 13 or 14 games, my goodness, this is going to be a tough team. Then I back it up right away with uh, DJ Shark in the back-to-back picks here. I like being at the turn, Craig, because I like being able to target my guys, take my two, and then let the draft run and come back to me. I think the middle of the draft is always difficult, and I know next week we'll get more into that. But so far, those are the first five picks of this draft.
1: Okay. Now, now again, uh, look, I I think in theory, in my opinion, um, you know, certainly you could speak to this more than me, but looking at it, I'm very satisfied with these first (laughs) five picks in the draft, but here is where it would come into question with me, how it operated from picks six through 10. And I want to go through that here for a second, because you've established here your two running backs, your flex in Connor and your first two wide receivers. And also with the sixth pick in the with with your sixth uh, selection, you take Dak Prescott, which is certainly acceptable. But I circle this one here on Kareem Hunt because I know you're a fan of Kareem Hunt, Joe. But why go running back and take your fourth running back, a guy who can't play for you uh, before taking uh, a third uh, wide receiver here? Because certainly you could still if you're playing in this league, you could play uh, Galladay. You could play Shark. And then you could play Connor as your flex, but something would have to happen for you to play hunt as well. Is it just a matter of getting the best player on the board, the best flex option? Uh, Because you're going to be clearly thinner at wide receiver than any other position after this is up. You are. And it's a great question. In fact, that's
2: the most important question to ask about the strategy here in these next two picks. And the answer is twofold. Number one, you can never have enough running backs ever. Number two, Mm -hmm. you can also circle Kareem Hunt as a guy that he's one of the few guys that if the guy who plays with him and Nick Chubb gets hurt, all of a sudden this guy becomes a true RB1 and he would bump Connor out of that spot or be huge potential trade bait to bring me back something else. Okay, so there's so many upsides. Mm -hmm. He was also best player on the board and there was not a lot of guys who were moving the needle wide receiver three. My plan was to then, as you could see, double up then on the way back. But some of the names basically were the same names in the same Anthony Miller category, this Preston Williams category. So it was more like, all right, you know what right. I'm going to do? I'm just going to play matchup at wide receiver three. I'm going to take the best players I can, create core roster strength, be great somewhere. That's Black Book 101. And I'm great at running back on this team. And then here is a perfect example of why I waited to take quarterback. In the sixth round, I was able to get Dak Prescott, who on most boards is the wide, is uh, quarterback three overall. And last year, in terms Mm -hmm. of scoring, he was quarterback two overall, okay? So, you know, all of a sudden, you can wait six rounds and still be above board at QB1. And that temptation of going in early to take Lamar Jackson, to take Mahomes there, if they do make it on the wraparound, it is so tempting, and I understand it. But you're passing on so much depth at wide receiver and running back to do it, and I don't think it's a good trade-off. I really don't in the single quarterback league. Super flex. Forget it. Those guys are gone in the first round anyway, so it's not even an issue. But it's these single quarterback leagues where that temptation's so great, and we've seen it in years past with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen it with Andrew Luck. We've seen it with some of the big-time quarterbacks having big-time seasons, and the next year they go as early as the second or third round on that wraparound. And the temptation is great, but you have to kind of fight it. Uh, I would say that Kareem Hunt, all of a sudden, like I said, Connor's a guy that I feel good, not great about. Same thing with Hunt. I want one of those guys to be super productive. And if I my uh, my strength in roster is coming from the running back position, I also have to be aware that the uh, possibility for injury at the running back position is much higher. So I have to back that up and understand the construction of my roster. Anthony Miller, Preston Williams, and then Marla Mack again taking another guy that I think can be useful, maybe not to my team, but to another team potentially, was the best player on the board who I think early on is going to be good enough, maybe can gain a little draft capital, a little trade capital at some point as well. And then later on, I was able to get Alan Lazard with the 11th pick. And if he is the number two in Green Bay, finally, and there is an established wide receiver two there behind Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. that could be a real steal. And that could certainly help offset Williams Miller. And like I said, the, I think the the trick is, to play matchups there with this kind of a roster at wide receiver three, because there wasn't that guy that moved the needle. Whereas Kareem hunt was a potential game changer and potential league winner. If things broke, right. Or just a really good contributor. If he was just in the current scenario, he is right now.
1: Right. And, and look, you have to like a player a lot. I'm guessing when you draft from the two hole tomorrow, you may end up with Kareem Hunt again, and and we'll talk about that tomorrow too. That's fine. It is shocking to me to see Marlon Mack in the tenth round available. That that should I, I don't think that that should be it's the case. It's happening um,
2: everywhere. I in a, I, I mean, that is
1: shocking. Yeah. yeah, that is that is shocking to count. Everybody loves the shiny uh, new rook-
2: toy, Craig. That's what they love.
1: Yeah, no, I mean Marlon Mack was a good running back for the Colts, and and look, he may have to split at some point. Again, I'm trying to win the first six, seven games. I'll worry about yeah. 10 through 15 afterward. Just get me to the playoffs. That's that's very surprising to see him going that late for me in fantasy drafts. Okay, uh, we'll do the second pick overall tomorrow. Uh, coming up next, we'll take a look at the fantasy assets in the AFC North. So make sure you stay tuned to us here on Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Peterpia. And we're back in just two minutes, so stay on the grid
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: all right thanks very much chris and welcome back this is fst here with you on sports grid and we're diving very much into the fantasy football season which is going to begin for all of us coming up next Thursday. Joe, how many more uh, drafts do you have left? What are are you looking at?
2: (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I have one one big one tomorrow, which is my OG Roto Football League, which is IDP also, which is super fun where you're trying to win categories. And I don't like Roto baseball, but I love Roto football. And I think it takes uh, (laughs) – I think people would love it if they exposed themselves to it, gave it a shot. But I've got, uh, I think, four big ones and then one more – a uh, slow draft
1: left so i think i got 5 more left here all right well 5 to go i have 2 and hopefully no more okay let's uh let, let let's take a look at the afc north and and dive into the fantasy assets on each team and we'll start off with the baltimore ravens today here on the show which i think that a lot of people are certainly interested in of course you have lamar jackson the mvp of the league last year Mark Ingram is back at running back, although J.K. Dobbins is now in the fold from Ohio State. You have Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, going into his second year. Boy, did he have a great debut last year. Uh, You have Boykin, and of course you have uh, Snead, who's back for yet another season. Wow, great career Snead has carved out, by the way, playing in the NFL this long. And Mark Andrews, who is one of Jackson's favorite targets, is back at tight end and really... No one backing him up in particular this year of any note. So Andrews, if he's healthy, is going to have another big season there. Uh, Joe, how do you look at the Ravens this season? And I, and I think most people are interested how the running back situation could end up shaking out. Uh, Baltimore has had different players through the years who have come in and done a good job for them, for sure. Gus Edwards has played at different times, and Justice Hill has played at different times for them, and now it could be Dobbins getting either the primary or secondary carries for them.
2: Yeah, it's been about three or four years now where people are trying to basically uh, throw away Mark Ingram and I am not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And yeah, maybe Dobbins at some point does start to eat in a little bit, the carries. But like you're saying, it's about getting off to a good start. And if you watch the games last year, you saw Mark Ingram there in the huddle. With Lamar Jackson, the constant communication, you saw him helping him read defenses. You saw them then on the bench together talking to each other. They were basically like peas and carrots, man, and that is important. And unfortunately, for those fantasy nerds out there that want to make the next guy always happen, real football is happening while you're trying to do that. And when real football is happening, Mark Ingram is out there getting carries, getting touchdowns in a very run-heavy attack. So, yes, there's some risk there with Mark Ingram, but at the same time, for the first half of the season at least, and that gives you time to get somebody else eventually on that roster, take over maybe over the first half of the season. I don't see Mark Ingram giving up all these carries to somebody else. I just don't see it happening. And the reason why is because it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened with the saints and it didn't happen here with the Baltimore Ravens and everyone's always trying to replace the guy. And every year he's productive. The biggest question I get probably is about Lamar Jackson. When do I take him? How soon do I take him? And I continue to say in that single quarterback format, if you can get him in the third round, great. If you're in a casual 10-team league, I would actually reach for him in the second round. I think that's OK. And there, and a lot of people play those 10-team casual ESPN leagues, and they're in there. You, it's OK, because in a 10-team league, you can find a little bit more depth at running back. It's going to be more available. It's a supply and demand issue. Same thing with wide receiver. You can wait a little bit. You can actually be more aggressive on Lamar Jackson in a 10-team league than in a 12-team league. And conversely, in a 14-team league or more, I would be more aggressive on Lamar Jackson, too, because there's fewer guys that really separate from the herd. So it's that 12-team league where all of a sudden the numbers just don't jive enough to make a big enough jump where you're going too deep into the quarterback position. And all of a sudden we go deeper. All of a sudden Lamar Jackson's worth going for early. I would also keep a very close eye on Marquise Brown, a guy with a lot of talent, a lot of explosiveness, a lot of ter- Tyreek Hill in him, so to speak. So if he is healthy this year, he had some really good games early in the season. Let's hope for a, a little bit of progression here in year two, but this is still going to be a very run heavy team. And Mark Andrews, a very solid tight end as well, right where you're getting him as tight end, four or three is right in that range or even five sometimes he last till i think that's a good spot for him
1: yeah and and look the the ravens are a known quantity provided the quarterback is healthy you pretty much know what you're getting from uh from baltimore now the rest of the offenses in this division are very much in question because of injuries because of effectiveness or even ineffectiveness and in pittsburgh it is all about ben roethlisberger we saw that last year the two quarterbacks that Pittsburgh was rolling out there. I mean, those guys were backup quarterbacks in the NFL and they should not have been starting. And yet the Steelers still found a way to be 500. And they even did it somewhat without James Conner, also, but Connor is back. Benny Snell is certainly in the mix. Uh, Jalen Samuels looks like a career backup at this point. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't think that he's a starter ever at this stage in the NFL. Uh, Wide receiver, there are some positive reports on Juju smith Schuster as of late. We'll see if he can rebound after his disappointing year last year. Deontay Johnson is a very hot name this fantasy season, uh, just like James Washington was last year. and Now James Washington is not anymore, but he is the third wide receiver in Pittsburgh. And, of course, Eric Ebron, is now their tight end coming over from Indianapolis. And I would guess some red zone targets, Joe, will be his way. Although every time Ebron is on the ground, Joe, I feel like there's a chance he's not going to get up. That's always my concern with him. Uh, But the Steelers with with Big Ben are going to be, I think, a very potent offense. And when I looked at their win total, honestly, in 2020, Joe, and I see them basically hovering around eight and a half wins, uh, I think Pittsburgh's got a shot to be really good this year. And I would expect them with Roethlisberger to get back to the playoffs
2: with that defense they have a shot to win this division that's not a hot take that's a reality that defense was terrific last year and they were put behind the eight ball significantly by the offense putting them in terrible field position over and over and over again and they responded every single time. Juju is my favorite guy to bounce back this year. I think it's just as easy as a healthy Ben Roethlisberger equals a very good Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, and I really like him moving back into the slot. I think he's more comfortable there. And I think that's going to be a good position for him. And the reason why I like Deontay Johnson so much is because of my love for Juju. See, when Juju moves back into the slot, that means that defense is the linebackers. And everyone's going to really concentrate on the middle of the field a little bit more. That frees up a lot of single coverage potentially there. Uh, over yeah. for Deontay Johnson, in the corner and James Conner on a contract year. Uh, it's a risky play, but in the right spot, I'm going to roll the dice with it in certain drafts, because if I have somebody who's as good as Saquon or as good as Christian McCaffrey, then all of a sudden I feel good about rolling the dice with that second running back being a James Conner because it's all upside. And if it fails. There's some other guys that I can find and try to build things back up with that position. But I think you have to be careful and make sure that you're not putting him with another questionable running back. I wouldn't put him and David Johnson anywhere near each other in the same backfield. But I would also be drafting a lot of Benny Snell late this year. He's going in like the 12th, 13th, 14th round, depending on your draft. I think he is a really not a lot of handcuffs I like to do. Benny Snell is one of them.
1: Yeah, he he still remains one of my favorite breakout candidates and and i and i do think he's going to be a star eventually in the nfl he just he needs to get that opportunity and and look you know early on last year it didn't look like it was going to happen for him and the second they gave that guy 20 carries you saw what the result was i think he he's never going to catch the ball but i i think he could be a a star in the nfl like but he just he doesn't have the shot in cleveland they've had the shot for a couple of years and now we're really going to find out what baker mayfield can do now that supposedly the Browns are being run the right way, although we've heard this for decades. Uh, Nick Chubb is back certainly as one of the NFL's best running backs last year, if not the best. He was fantastic. Uh, Kareem Hunt, of course, is right there as well, and as you mentioned earlier in the show, Joe, if something was to happen to Chubb, Hunt immediately becomes a top-five running back probably in fantasy. Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't sure if the season should be played, and, and I'm not sure about Beckham going into this year as well. We have Jarvis Landry and, of course, Higgins as well, and now Halston Hooper is the main addition, I would say, on the Cleveland offensive side of the ball. The Browns have just simply not had a, I would say, mid-range option in terms of offense, and now it looks like they have one with Hooper. Yeah, and for
2: those who are wondering, is there enough for Chubb and for Kareem Hunt? How could that be? I mean, last year, Alexander Madison, as a rookie, had 100 carries for the Minnesota Vikings with Stefanski. So yeah, I mean he could find a way to get everybody the football. And I think this really helps Baker Mayfield too. It takes pressure off him. Baker Mayfield is his own worst enemy. So if you can give him a really good running game and guys catch a balls out of the backfield, it can really set up some nice play action for him. And that could be a huge win for Odell Beckham potentially and for Baker Mayfield. Mayfield is a QB two and Superflex, probably a decent one, especially if you have a really solid quarterback like a Matt Ryan or somebody like that as a QB one. You can still take a shot on Baker Mayfield. It's a little scary. I would have a third guy on that roster in Superflex. But at the same time, love Kareem Hunt. Chubb is still going to eat. Don't worry. If it's not 1,500 yards this year, maybe it'll be 1,200. Oh, okay. the sky is falling 1,200 and a dozen touchdowns. Oh, no. How will we ever survive? But Jarvis Landry, I think, is the better ROI here than Odell Beckham. Depending on where you can get him, it seems like he is just a better, easier return. And, of course, Austin Hooper, I think, will be a viable low-end tight end one.
1: Yeah, and and I think that Hooper could very well be even higher than that. It just depends on how Mayfield is. He's just the catalyst of this whole thing. Uh, Now, over to Cincinnati here, and and this is a tough one as well, just because you have a rookie quarterback, Joe, in Joe Burrow, who I do think ends up being good. I'm just not sure about this year. Uh, Mixon has had some migraines and and who really knows what his intent is, honestly, this season. He really needs to get paid. He wants to get paid. He hasn't. A.J. Green's been on and off the field. We talked about Boyd. I do like Higgins, but I think it's going to be some time, and they have no tight end. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, Joe, I think Cincinnati's going to be bad, and, um, and, and, I, and I think they may still end up the worst team in football again. It has not been a great training camp for them, and so I'm going to be out on most of their guys. Yeah,
2: when you look at the point differential, though, the, the thing is, they are the worst record for this <laughs> the smallest point differential in losses last year. And that means that this was a team that really hung around and was kind of annoying or would catch up late in games and things like that. And that does bode slightly well. Now, I think they're just playing at a deficit because of the division they're in. Because they're looking up at the Steelers, they're looking up at two juggernaut teams there with the Ravens, too. And that's going to be the difficult thing, Joe Burrow. If you want to look at rookie seasons, go back and look at Andrew Luck's rookie season. I think he can come close to that, and if he can, that means Tyler Boyd's going to be useful in fantasy. That means AJ Green's going to be useful. I still love Joe Mixon as a late first round running back. I still think he has so much opportunity there. He's the guy. He's the only guy. Uh, and I, you love those guys that are just the bell cow running back. So I still value that quite a bit. As we move on with our series, I'm sure you're going to see a lot of Joe Mixon shares on my teams. But I think this team also will be playing from behind, and that's not a bad thing from a fantasy perspective. There will be some points to be had, and I think Zach Taylor is a better offensive mind than people give him credit for.
1: You're not worried at all that Mixon is not going to play.
2: Uh, of course, I'm. I'm worried that Alvin Kamara is going to play. I'm worried that uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm to not worried. We have to always be worried, but we have to put our best foot forward.
0: I'm
1: worried about Mixon not playing at all, too, I gotta say. Fantasy reality is next, don't go away.
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's time for a
1: little fantasy or reality as we get ready to close out this edition of fantasy sports today. Tomorrow we'll be back on the show with some more fantasy football discussion and preview. And of course we'll close out the week with a little NASCAR, uh, also some fantasy baseball discussion, but primarily we're moving a lot of our focus in over to fantasy football. And, and Joe, you mentioned you have still a handful of, of drafts left. There's a report uh, coming out about an hour ago, according to the athletic that says, Uh, Lamar Miller could potentially be let go by the New England Mm -hmm. Patriots, which is kind of sad because he was a pretty good running back there for a few years, but it looks like that injury really is going to end up costing him, but it just goes to show you that there still are a lot of running backs left on the waiver wire, um, and one of them is still Leonard Fournette, who could get signed officially today, and Joe, I think by the time we come back on tomorrow's show, one or two things are going to happen. Either one, (laughs) he's going to have a destination, and we can dive into it, and start to get excited about the possibility. But if not, we're closing in on one week to go until the regular season begins. So I hope that anybody that took Fournette is probably hoping for a destination, I would say, in the next 24 hours. Because if it's one week out, Joe, I mean, he could be in- inactive for the first week. It,
2: it's possible. Uh, Lamar Miller, too, is, I think, uh, just a, a roster casualty in a sense also. This was almost yeah. exactly a year from the injury so he's had barely enough time. He just literally got activated, I think, two days ago, and they probably wanted to activate him to see what the progress was, and it probably wasn't enough. And this is why you'll see a lot of mind drafts here coming up on the show have Damian Harris in it because Sony Michelle's not healthy either. And I know Damian Harris is not Saquon Barkley. I understand that, but who's the goal line guy? Who's the guy? <laughs> you know, who else is going to be in this mix to have more volume? And yes, the New England running game is always going to be frustrating. However, I will point out. You had a couple good years from Deion Lewis, a couple good years from James White in a row. That role is never going to change in the offense. It's just whether or not now, with Cam Newton as quarterback, they will really all of a sudden change their tune. And this is the one thing the Patriots always do they tailor their offense, their defense to the personnel that they have, not vice versa. And that's always been a fascinating thing. They were not a huge juggernaut offense until they acquired Randy Moss. And all of a sudden we had Randy Moss. All of a sudden they opened things up and they started to do what he did best. And I think that's what always made the Patriots so dangerous is they could get different guys and change the way the offense runs. But they always go back to the same basics. They always had that Kevin Falk role that became the Deion Lewis role that became the James White role. That's not going to change. But Damian Harris has got to keep an eye on. I'll also say Lamar Miller will probably get cut when he does. My guess is he will end up somewhere else. So if you're in one of these really deep leagues right now, he might be worth a hold just to see where he does end up on another depth chart because there's always going to be running back injuries. And maybe come you know the fall, he's a little bit in better shape and might be ready to actually contribute a little bit. Again, it's a maybe, mm-hmm. but in a deeper league, you have to worry about maybes.
1: I had to Google to see if Rex Burkhead was still on the Patriots. Still there.
2: Still there. Still there.
1: Still there. Still there. Still there. Don't get rid of Rex yet. Rex still a Burkhead is
2: two Rex Burkhead series a game. That's what he gets. And then he's the change of pace guy. He's like a different kind of running back. They get him in there. He runs like, you know, he'll run three times and then he comes out, and you'll see him again in the third quarter. Once Bolden oh, yeah. still there? Okay. Brandon Bolden?
1: Brandon Bolden? Yeah. Brandon you
2: Bolden Brandon also plays special teams. That's why he's still around.
1: Bolden's a good special teams player. I if just don't NFL ever trust NFL. that running back situation there, man. I just, every but, year, it's uh, something with When them. it
2: becomes Leonard Fournette tomorrow, we're sitting here. That'll be fun.
1: That would change things.
2: I just, I just, <laughs> well, I said it yesterday. It's Washington and New England. Those are the teams that make the most sense. Unless a team like the Rams or somebody else is willing to make another run corresponding roster move or get somebody else to defer money the cap
1: oh i hope it's not the rams things. i have acres that would not be well, good
2: well there's a lot of there's a lot of that you know internet buzz or whatever that says he likes to go yeah, and join his buddy be. jalen ramsey yeah. in los angeles and they could certainly use somebody right now there's no doubt oh, about of that but the problem is they're, the they're, rams listen, have, that's, that's a good spot room. for him look they have <laughs> to figure it out if if he ends up there he, it's because somebody else is restructuring a deal or somebody's getting cut
1: All all, all I'll say with Fournette is this. If we're still sitting here on Thursday doing the show and he has no team, you better be panicking owning that guy because then, then you're talking about not playing during the season. But I still say now that he's available today to be picked up, as long as that happens in the next 24 hours and it's somewhere decent, I think it can be salvageable, but it's it's going to be close. We'll see. Okay, fantasy reality. Let's get to it. Question one, we'll go back to the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Let's just throw something out, see if it sticks. The biggest trade deadline winner were the San Diego Padres over the deadline. Now, clearly they sacrificed a lot for the future, for the present. The Padres haven't been in the postseason for a long time, so it does make sense. But Joe, the they were the biggest winner. Is that fantasy or reality?
2: I think it's reality. Did they really give up that much? They didn't give up Mackenzie Gore. They didn't give up Patino. They gave up Hudson Potts, who is a, a nice player in their system. But let's be frank, he's he's blocked on the left side of the infield last time I checked at third base by Manny Machado, so he ain't gotta play anytime soon. So they kept their two best pitching assets. And they still have an all-world young player to build around at shortstop and Tatis. And they added the only frontline starter that was out there on the market in the first place. And it didn't cost them any of their potential aces down the road. It's absolutely reality. This team absolutely won. Yeah, Josh Naylor, yes, there's a couple other good pieces. The shortstop who moved over there. He has some potential down the road. But then again, we say the same thing years ago about Franklin Barreto. And we're still waiting for him in Oakland to show up. So you don't know how long it takes certain guys to show up. What we know now is the Padres are in it. The Padres have a chance. Paddock had a good start last week in Colorado against all odds. And if he can turn things around a little bit, him, Clevenger, Denelson, uh, Denelson Lomit, that's a pretty good one, two, three right now. If they're going to keep hitting the way they are, Will Myers has showed up. So as far as I'm concerned right now, yeah, I think the Padres are for real. And that Clevenger trade, I think, has to make them the big winner. What do you think?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it is also a reality. It can't be judged until, I think, after the first round of the postseason, they're going to get in. The 16 teams do. But I think that the pressure is on for them to win a series also because you never know what could happen in an off season. Some other teams could get better. Maybe two teams uh, sign free agents. Uh, I wouldn't judge the Padres season based on them getting to the World Series because I, I just can't see anybody getting past L.A. World Series, anything can happen, but it's going to be tough to get past L.A. Uh, I would say, though, the Padres still need to win uh, their first-round series, their three-game first-round series, and they'll have a chance. There'll be no home-field advantage for anyone this year, so they really should have a shot there. Now let's go to the biggest trade deadline loser. Now, I had a chance to see the Rays over the weekend. To me, they look like the best team that I've seen in person this year, for sure, but they didn't do anything, and they have basically a half a dozen pitchers on the injured list. And I suppose, Joe, when you look at the Rays and you say they'll get back Nick Anderson, they'll get back Charlie Morton, they'll get back Oliver Drake, they'll get back all these players, they decided, okay, we'll just stand pat. Fantasy or reality, the biggest trade deadline loser was the Rays.
2: Oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to say fantasy. It's not the Rays. I think the biggest loser is the Diamondbacks because they had some expectations and they fell short and they were sellers uh, just because the Rays weren't buyers doesn't make them losers because I think you're right. I think when you get back healthy Charlie Morton and Anderson, some other guys into this rotation and uh, they're still a team that could add Wander Franco at some point who could be a game changer potentially in terms of talent. Uh, Adams has played well enough so far this year to kind of quell that a little bit, but we still have some time left, and we'll see what happens. But if you're the Rays right now, you just beat up on the Yankees again. You just beat Garrett Cole again. You're looking pretty good, and you're looking around, and you're saying, well, we're the kind of team that can't really move a lot of controllable assets and then be competitive in the next two years. So you might as well just kind of stand pat. Maybe the best deals you make sometimes are the ones you don't make. Maybe that is the best move you could possibly do. So I'm going to say they're not the biggest loser. I'm going to say that's fantasy. I think the biggest loser is the Diamondbacks. What do you think, Craig?
1: Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy also, but, and and this is hard for me because I'm a big fan of Alex Anthopoulos and Alex knows this, but, but I think that the Braves, that was a very big disappointment for me to see the Braves not do anything. Are they really going to go down three starters at the start of the season and expect to win the world series? The Braves can only push this off for so long. And I feel like that's what they're kind of doing every year. It's like, oh, well, you know, next year's the year we'll go for it, and next year's the year that we'll go for it, and next year's the year. I mean, you have Ozzie Albies, you have Freddie Freeman, you have Ronald Acuna Jr. And are they just looking at it again this year and saying, oh, woe is us, we don't have Fulton Awich, has got hurt, and, uh, and Mike Soroka's out for the year, oh, woe is us. I'm just surprised, man. I'm surprised that they don't Two years their- in a row.
2: Two years in a row. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and again, a year off, off losing Donaldson too. So, you know, to me, the Braves are going to make it. They're going to win the division. And I mean, I could see them losing in the first round. I could like, I, I mean, look, I Max Fried is a star. Max Fried's great. Ian Andrews. But these are all young pitchers that you're asking to go all the way deep into the postseason and win a World well, Series year, for them. Can you and- ask
2: them though? Can you ask them that this year, considering they don't have 150 innings on them? You know what I mean? Like I think it's a lot. I, of I don't know this year that. than last year. Look,
1: everyone's getting hurt. I mean, every pitcher is getting hurt, so maybe it's even harder now. I, 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 I just would have liked to see Atlanta add something, maybe Lynn or, or just something to, to give them the a little for me.
2: Like he is such a good fit in that organization, like you it? know to bring. I, I don't know. I thought Lance Lynn would have just been a, a great fit for them if they could have pulled that off. But yeah, they probably wanted Ian yeah. Anderson. He was, like was available.
1: Yeah, like I, I just, I, I think I like Ian Anderson a lot, and I think that he's going to be really good for them in the end. But you don't know what's going to happen in the in the postseason. And we saw. Would you have done that uh, What happened? Lynn? Matt Freed in the playoff game last year, he got annihilated. So would you have, um, would you have
2: traded Ian Anderson for Lance Lynn if that if you were the Braves no, GM? No, I, no, I would Okay, have done
1: that. no no right. no but i would have traded like uh you know Kyle Wright or one of their other starters that they had i, I know and they still have young players they have Pache uh you know coming up and you know they saw a they little bit water. of him they do Waters yeah. i think too they they are they're, they're loaded but at some point you got to like you got to even even though the Dodgers look unbeatable you still have to try you know you still have to push to that so maybe it's a upper management thing uh, above above the ownership thing I, i'm not really sure how it's working in Atlanta Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's close out with this one. At the Country Music Awards, which was the other night, uh, Loretta Lynn and Kid Rock announced they were married. Okay? Now, Loretta Lynn is 88 years old, and Kid Rock is pushing 50. And they put on this big charade. They're married. Congratulations. And show it off and hugging each other, kissing the whole thing. And then afterwards, they announced, oh, it was just a big hoax. This was, come on, like, really, this is what you're doing to us? And I'm going to say this, fantasy and reality because of it, Joe, Loretta Lynn and and Kid Rock because of this stunt should be forced to stay married for a full year. Fantasy and reality.
2: Bro. Ew. I I don't know which side of this is more upsetting. And that's something that I have to now think about. For the rest of my afternoon, thanks to you. So, uh, reality, uh, Craig Mish has weirded me out for the rest of the day. Reality, I won't sleep tonight. And uh, fantasy, no, they, they shouldn't have to stay married for you. Just, just just get divorced right now. Just, no, whatever it is, no, you just just, just fine. Hoax, ha ha ha. Great. Now, on the other hand, Helen Mirren, if you're listening, uh, I know you are an older, sophisticated woman, and I am a, a 40-year-old, uh, sophisticated man, and I think maybe we can make that work, but... What? What is this? What kid rock? No, no. Why did you do this to me? Why? Why do you do these things at the end of the show like this, too? It's the worst. It's the worst. You're the worst.
1: Sorry. <laughs> it's a reality for this stunt. They should be forced to live together and be married for a year after trying Not to pull this show. and make us talk about it. <laughs> Just a bad job there. Because you know TV what? In show. this day and yeah. age, and in 2020, we believe it, right? We believe it. It's real. Like, this is happening. And then all of a sudden, it's like, nah, it's just a big gag, big hoax. Started to question it on both sides. It's unfortunate, but true. It's where we're at. Okay, coming up next, we got the Sports Grid 60. And we're going to cap off our show today with a final thought there. Make sure you tune in to tomorrow's show as we take you through the second overall pick in your fantasy football draft. So those of you who have the second pick, you tune in. You get the full list of everyone that you should be taking. If you missed earlier in the show, we did the first overall pick. Here's the good news. All of our videos are on demand over at SportsGrid.com. If you like and subscribe to us, by the way, on YouTube, we certainly would appreciate it. Set your notifications to on. We'll send you the show every day, and we'll be right back As we close out our day here on Fantasy Sports today, just a quick note here before the Sports Grid 60. Rich Zimini on Twitter, who does a very good job covering the New York Jets, passes on this quick note. Rashad Perriman has missed over a week of practice with swelling in his knees. So unfortunately for Jet fans, not the best of news to pass along to you at the end. You may want to bump down Perriman a little bit on your draft board. Let's turn it over to Joe P. He's got the Sports Grid 60. Joe?
2: I'm sorry, Arizona Diamondback fans. I know you had expectations this year, but I think you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Look, you were sellers just a year ago of Paul Goldschmidt and Zach Renke and trying to turn the page and build things up from the bottom up again. And then you won 85 games because Cattell Marte had a great season. All of a sudden, a lot of fluky fun things happened, and it was a great story. But you had to understand that the book was about rebuilding. That's what the story should have been. And then you went inside Madison Bumgarner to that big contract. Robbie Ray's tinkering with his windup. Everything goes and falls apart. And it's sad that you're sellers, but I can't say it's surprising. So hopefully you've learned the hard lesson, which is if you're going to rebuild, rebuild regardless of what the win total was a year ago.
1: Yeah, and, and I I think that's very well said. I don't know if that will be the case, but it is very well said. Uh, let me end here on uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline also that, uh, that passed yesterday. I got to tell you, one of the most interesting things that happens uh, are all of the deals that actually don't happen on trade deadline day. And I got to tell you that... Uh, hosting shows and, and doing everything that I do, fantasy, I mean, there is no really harder work that I do than trying to access and get this kind of information. And I know that a lot of the national writers and national insiders tend to take a lot of heat for being wrong and saying the wrong things. And trust me, I totally get it. I'm right there as well. But take this day to just remember they are doing something that you can't do. I mean, you as a, as a viewer out there can have an opinion. You cannot access inside information on any Major League Baseball team. It is something that is talent. It is something that's really hard to do. Give them a little break. Thanks again to Chris, Brett, and my co-host Joe Pizzoppia, also Danny Oakers. I'm Craig Mish. Have a great day. See you.